Welcome to The Wave, Seattle Wave Radio. Welcome to Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com. And be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness, and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, it's going to be a fun show today. Thank you, everybody, for joining in and tweeting. And we have a lot of girls from the fandom joining us today, which are always a very fun and and uh, loving and wild group of girls, so I'll be trying to follow you on Twitter the best that I can. Our Saturday shows, I've, I've tried to start having every now and then guest co-hosts come on, and a lot of those girls now are coming out of the fandom because, like I said earlier, I have found them just to be just a, a fun group of girls. They just like to have a good time and very funny, and it makes for just a lighthearted show. And then they've been introducing me to experiences through people and books that, that I haven't had just through my everyday contact. So it, it broadens my horizons, so to speak. So my co-host today is known on Twitter very well to a, a lot of people who in the book community, and this is Michelle. And Michelle started reading uh books like I did about a year ago, and she started a blog, and her blog took off, and now Michelle is doing some book reviews, and she's writing more, and she's interviewing some authors for her blog, and everything is just going very well for Michelle, and so Michelle recommended some guests for us today, and she's going to help me with this show and interview those people, so thanks, Michelle, for coming on. Hello. How are you, Lori? Hi. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. It's it's my pleasure. Are you nervous? Um, I'm nervous because I don't want to verbally vomit over any of our guests today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that, I, that I'm a be big well. fan. I'm a big fan of all three of them. <laughs> so um, I'm gonna keep my cool. Hopefully, I don't fangirl all over the place and um, act like a complete professional. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start out talking a little bit about you since you're my co-host today. Um, a lot of people know you through Twitter. You're you're very active on Twitter. And do, do you just want to kind of go ahead and, and refresh everybody for how this whole journey started for you about a year ago, right? Yes. Um, like you, I, I got interested in the Fifty Shades books and um, heard a lot about them. And as soon as I read them, um, I, mean, I read all three in less than two days and um, turned into a Fifty Shades freak right after that. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll join Twitter. And my big my big thing was I'm going to follow E.L. James and get Christian Bale <laughs> cast as Christian Gray. I know everyone's laughing at me right now. Um, hence my, my name, which I don't know if you noticed, is Back to Bale for 50. Um, I changed it for a little bit, but I felt like I was um, not being loyal to my, my Team 50. So... Anyway, it just started like that, and um, I never knew it would take off the way it did. I just started the blog because someone had suggested that, um, you know, I should write about my different adventures um, with traveling. Um, I was a big Twilight fan, and I, I've, you know, done a lot of things with Twilight um, before Fifty Shades, so I just started blogging, and it just turned into um, this great experience for me, 
and a year later, um, here I am talking to you and um, getting to talk to these beautiful Bassett authors and Dana Bernetti today, so it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, you started out with your blog, and it, it kind of took on a life of its own, and that was based on this thought around fan fiction where an author writes a, a book, and then the uh, fandom can can then rewrite the story the way that they interpret it or see it or kind of can take on a life of its own. That's originally where your blog was going, right? Yes, it started out with um, me just sort of random talking about different things. And then what happened was I did sort of like an, um, uh, what was like a poll. And so people could, could go onto my blog and, and vote on different things like who they, they want as their Christian Grey, um, different aspects from the, the movie. And then I turned it into a story based on the questions that, that won the poll. And then from there I just realized that I enjoyed writing um, the fan fiction, it sort of kept the story alive for me in a way. Um, it was just a great creative outlet. And, again, I just didn't think it was going to um, go the way it did. And now I have people, you know, begging for the kink, you know, asking when the next story is coming out. And um, it's just been it's just been a lot of fun. And I'm just really blessed that um, everyone has has loved the blog the way they have. How far do you think you can take the blog on, on this course, and will it shift courses and become its own original story at some point? Um, for, for, for a book, yeah, maybe. I think with yeah with the book, I mean with the movies um, coming out, you know, mm-hmm. next year. Um, that's why in the last couple months, I've sort of shifted the blog into um, reviewing and interviewing different authors, um, and that seems to be going over really well. And I'm I'm so happy to spread the love with all the followers I have and the retweets I can get um, to expose people to these different authors and books and just keep that going. Um, and then in terms of the blog itself with the fan fiction, um, you know, I really would love to write my own book, and I don't know how that will go, but um, I think in the near future I will start concentrating on that, and hopefully with all my loyal followers they will, they will um, you know, Love that just as much. <laughs> we'll see. Mhm. Mhm. And so then you also started interviewing authors and doing book reviews. How did that kind of come about? Um, you know, well, being on Twitter so much, um, I realized there are a lot of um, bloggers on Twitter and a lot of authors, and it's just amazing how social media connects all of us and the power of social media. So I just started getting in touch with different authors. Authors started following me, and I realized, you know, I love reading, and I don't get to do it as much as I would love to, but um, it's just been great because you connect with these these people, you know, on Twitter or Facebook, and um, I think authors nowadays really sort of depend on social media and bloggers who will review their stuff for them, and um, it's a win-win situation for everybody, for people that love to read, and the authors that want to get their work exposed and um, can do it through social media. So it's been wonderful. I've I've um, interviewed maybe four or five authors, and I have probably about four or five books in the works right now that I'm working on reading and, and getting out on my blog. It's been great. Hey, quick break. I want to play this song to the fandom because that is something that, that they like to hear. And you picked it, Beyonce's Crazy in Love. Let's take a quick break, and I will be right back, okay? Yeah. 
eagerly kept and so upset with Tom Hanks that's supposed to be out in October. And, of course, as everybody knows, he's also working on the E.L. James uh, books, Fifty Shades of Grey, and bringing those to life as well. So thank you, Dana, for coming on. Sure, no problem. Thank you. Hi, Dana. How are you? Hey, how are you? Thank you for uh, joining us today. I knew you had major airline issues yesterday, so we appreciate you um, taking the time to talk to us. Congratulations, Dana, on the 13 nominations for House of Cards. It's just absolutely incredible. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was pretty, uh, uh, pretty phenomenal his- history-making uh, moment that a, a show that streams uh, via Netflix got nominated for, um, for Emmy, so it was pretty exciting. Do you see more entertainment-based programs going this way? Is it, do you think this is a, the, the future now? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's if you look at what Netflix is doing, is basically the same that AMC and Showtime and HBO and you know a lot of the the channels that have the best content right now. They all started with movies and then ultimately ended up going to original content. Netflix is doing the same thing where they started with movies and then then television and then um, are now doing original content. Um, they just have a different way of distributing it and a better way uh, of distributing it by giving the audience what they want uh, and, and when they want it and how they want it and whatever device they want it on. Um, so, you know, I've said it before that I think that DVR has destroyed appointment viewing um, and Netflix has taken that one step further. I, I definitely agree. We're seeing that also with, in the music industry as well with iTunes and people are able to kind of cherry-pick the type of music they want to listen to. They're not necessarily having to buy the whole album to get a song. They can just go and just get that one song. So uh, as far as things that are being consumer-driven, I I think that the the TV and the music are really trying to focus in on what the consumer wants in a busy lifestyle now and and still try to get the consumer's attention, so to speak, and, and be able to tap into what they want when they want it. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, the the film and TV industry, it's taken a little while longer for them to learn what the music industry learned pretty quickly because they got hit really hard um, uh, initially. But they things like iTunes and others have, have given them a different means of, of doing it, but really changed the model. And so we're now starting to see that with television and, and with film. You have Captain Phillips. It's, it's, it's still scheduled to cap, come out in October. Is that right with Tom Hanks? Yeah, it um, releases October 11th, uh, starring Tom Hanks, Paul Greengrass directed, and uh, we're opening the New York Film Festival and the uh, London Film Festival with it as well. And for people who might not know, the Captain Phillips is is about uh, Captain Phillips who was in the Somalia takeover when terrorists stormed his vessel and it was worldwide news back, you know, just, just not, not that long ago, a, a few years ago. Yeah, it was uh, two years ago um, or a little over two years ago. Um, yeah, it was the captain whose ship was taken hostage or captive by Somali pirates. Um, and then he ended up going onto a lifeboat alone with them to get them off of his ship and away from his crew. Uh, so he ended up being the only captain, and then the U.S. Navy showed up before they were able to get him to mainland Somalia, holding for ransom. And then uh, he was ultimately rescued by Navy SEAL snipers who killed the uh, three of the four pirates that were, uh, were holding him. And I think Tom Hanks is perfect for that role. Yeah, he's uh, he's really good in it, and, uh, and uh, I'm very happy with how the movie turned out, so I can't wait for everybody to be able to see it. Mm. 
And it comes out October 11th. October 11th they release it, yes, in, in the U.S. I'm not sure about uh, other countries, but in the U.S., uh, October 11th. You were in the Coast Guard originally. I, I just found that out. Do, do you still like <laughs> to be on the water? I'm actually standing on the water right now, ironically, <laughs> in a harbor in Baltimore. Um, uh, yeah, I've done my time on the water. I don't need to go on any more boats. I did a, quite a bit of time on the on the on one of the mayor ships while we were shooting um in Malta and then also on the navy ships when we were shooting in uh, Norfolk Virginia but uh, yeah I I went into the coast guard uh, shortly after high school and did 4 years of uh, service there thank you for your service exactly thank you that's wonderful uh, I I have a question about um I don't know if I'm going to say it right but the movie that you're going to be making the Gran Turismo is that how you say it um, yeah Gran Turismo yes now that's that's from a a video game Am I correct? Yeah, it's one of the more popular titles on the on the PlayStation, and it's one of the premier titles that will be on the PS4 that's coming out, I believe, in December. Um, uh, the game is supposed to be released in December, so hopefully the PS4 is out by then. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a driving or racing simulator, so a lot of people think it's odd that we're making a movie of something that has no story and is, uh, you know, just a, a racing simulator, basically. Uh, but there was a... Uh, a competition that they did essentially go from virtual to reality, which was what they called the GT Academy, and where they took 25,000 online racers and pitted them together and ultimately narrowed it down to 22 racers, which they then took to Silverstone Racetrack and put them through a boot camp um, to basically turn them into real race car drivers. And then the the two uh, final race, uh, race car drivers or, or contestants were then uh, given the, the chance to race in the 24 hours of Dubai um, and are still racing now. And they've run the competition uh, a few times since, and there's actual real race car drivers coming out of it. So as a movie, it's a, it's a great wish-fulfillment story. And, you know, going from virtual to reality, you know, every, every kid who's driving in that game, you know, thinks that, and dreams of doing a real thing, and this is them actually getting the opportunity to do it. So that, that's that's basically what the story will follow. We don't have a writer or director yet, so it could change a little bit, but that's that's the uh, general idea. Wow, that sounds great. Will it be 3D, you think? Uh, I would love for it to be in 3D, but uh, considering we don't even have a, a, a script yet, right. um, it's hard to <laughs> make that. But, yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, the platform and and what it's about, uh, it it lends itself to be something that can be really cool in 3D and from you know really uh, using a lot of the newer technology and make it more exciting. I think there's a huge untapped market with the gaming audience in general, and I think we're starting to see. And and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but that Hollywood's kind of more tapping into things coming out of the gaming industry and the video industry in general, and and pulling it more into mainstream, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, there there have been a, quite a few movies made off of video games, but they tend to follow the story of the video game themselves. Um, so it's, it's a lot of the, the video games, too, that are more successful don't really seem to be as interested in the film business um, uh, simply because it's they make so much money doing what they're doing, and uh, they don't want the possibility of a film potentially hurting their, their IP. But the studio side definitely wants the wants that fan base and, you know, wants to get those bigger IPs. So it's just finding the right material and what makes the most sense as opposed to just trying to throw something against the wall and see if it'll stick. That's why Ivan, after Gran Turismo, for 
such a such a long time after I read the original article uh, about this GT Academy because it was one of my favorite games, but it just never had a story, and then something that just married up where the game is actually becomes a part of the movie as opposed to the story that's in a game just being a movie made out of that. You, you waited three years for this. Um, I've, I've, I've been I've, I've been trying to get it uh, going, uh, getting a deal in place for three years. This is really your idea. I mean, this is something that you, um, you're sort of like your baby, something that you've dreamed of. Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely one of my babies, that's for sure. Um, but uh, it, it came from the article uh, that I, the original article that I read. I believe it was actually on the PlayStation blog. Um, that was talking about the, the academy, and that's uh, that's how it came up with the idea that you know this is how we'll make this game into a movie by basically doing uh, or following the story uh, that actually happened. Well, then, because you're one of the most successful producers in Hollywood, you probably have a lot of things that, that come across your desk. How do you decide on on what you're going to kind of go after and green light as as a project you want to take on? Um, generally, it's it's something that a if I think that I can get it made, that that's always important. There's a lot of projects that I would really love to do, but just would be impossible to get made. Um, but it it always starts with the story, and if I if I like the story and I continue to read it, or I like the idea of it as a film, um, or it's something that I would want to see on the screen, that's really the uh, that's the genesis that gets me going, and something obviously that you have to be passionate about because making a film is not an easy endeavor. And so if you're not passionate about it and you're just going to try to make a film to make a film or to make a buck or just to, you know, do it as a job, then it's probably never going to happen because there's so many ups and downs in this business. Um, and pushing a film from inception to screen is a long and hard journey. Um, so if you're not uh, passionate about it, that's, uh, that has to be the first thing is, is passion. Um, and then, then, then just being able to maneuver to get it through all the obstacles that are going to pop up along the way uh, that ultimately allow you to get it made. Well, what um, originally drew you then to wanting to make Fifty Shades of Grey? Because you were really in on that before it blew up and went hugely mainstream. You know about it before I knew about it. So there, there had to be something. That I knew really about it before you, you knew about it. Yeah, well, there was obviously a lot of people in, in, in Hollywood were chasing after it and, and wanted to do it. Um, and it, it happened to be, you know, a lot of the uh, right place at the right time um, where Mike and I, we were in London actually shooting Captain Phillips outside of London. Um, and we heard that there weren't producers on it yet. Mike had read it before me. Um, he really liked the book, and so when I started talking to him about it and asking him if there was a movie in it, um, and he kind of laid out uh, his version of, of the film. This was prior to me even reading the book. So I got the book and read it, and initially didn't think it would be something for me because it just typically wasn't the type of you know thing that, that I, I would pursue. Um, but then after reading it and hearing Mike's take on it, I knew it was something that, you know, he and I particularly, while we may not seem like the obvious choice for it, that we could do and do well. Um, so we met with EL's reps in, in London, and obviously, like I said, there were still a lot of people involved in it. And then Mike was flying back and forth to the U.S. Um, while, I stayed, while, while I stayed with uh, Captain Phillips. We were shooting some uh, stage work uh, outside of London. 
and he met with EL actually in, in LA and then uh we were in Virginia Beach and we got the call that uh that the studio and EL and everybody involved had chosen us as a as the producer so we were <laughs> it's a pretty exciting night um in Virginia Beach when we found out um and then I got to know EL very well and we've become close friends and he's a great person and it's it's been a very odd experience for me as a producer because generally there's a lot of people that you don't like involved in projects because there's a lot of egos that come along with things in, in Hollywood and a lot of egos clash a lot of times. This uh, this project there has it's it's been nothing but uh, but roses and it's uh, been pretty fascinating of how good of a team that El has picked and helped picked uh, all the way through. She basically she has and as we have adopted a no asshole rule and. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully that's part of the reason that she chose me and Mike, uh, but uh, she stayed consistent with that, and and have, to have we, and uh, it's worked really well. So I think it's going to re- lead to a a great film. Mm-hmm. There there is a, a hard date right now, eight uh, one as a premiere date, but lately I've seen you know a little fluidity to that date. Is 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 that something that maybe we should as a fandom be open to some fluidity in that date, or is that still Eight one is, is a hard date. As far as I know, August first is still what uh, what the date is, and that's what we're uh, we're working towards. Okay, great. Well, I think there's a lot of parties planned that night. <laughs> well, hopefully they're not partying and they're going to the movie that night and then partying after. Well, I think we'll be we'll be partying at the movie. There's actually in Seattle there is a movie theater with a bar. I mean, how much better does it get than that? You know, so I'll be at that theater. Hopefully they'll be carrying it because I'll be at the bar and the movies. I mean, that's the marriage made in heaven. Um, did you read all three books? Yes, I have because obviously the um, the hope is to to make a film of of all three. So. We kind of need to know where we're going. So I read the the first book initially, and then um, after we got the gig, uh, read the, uh, the the second two. Just elevated you in my book because you have to read all three, and I love people who read all three. So you are <laughs> well. You got You have to know where it's going, and it, that also you know that, that goes into play for a lot of things. One thing that I don't want to talk about, but I know everybody wants to know about. Uh, but you ha- you sort of have to read all three to know just the type of cast that you're going to bring in because we need to have them for for all of them and, and you need, so you need to know where their characters are going and that really um, factors in uh, to the casting because if you just focus on the first book you cast a million different ways but um, uh, you know the characters that El has written are are pretty complex and amazing so it's it's makes it um, pretty difficult to to cast the, the, honestly. Um, but uh, we're we're in that process now, and I can tell you it won't be Ben Affleck. <laughs> That's taken on a life of well, its own. Well, it sounds like Christian Bale's available. What's that? I said Christian Bale's available then, since his Batman role is, uh, <laughs> has been uh, passed over to Ben yeah. Affleck. <laughs> You're, uh, you, you have no bias. You have no bias. That's the that's the thing that and where it's very difficult for us in the casting of this because when you read a character in the casting of any movie or any particularly of a book because when you read a book you conjure up an image in your head and what you end up seeing on screen or whoever ends up being cast it's very seldom if ever meets what you've imagined in your head and even if you imagine somebody who's actually an actor or a star or somebody that could potentially be cast 
if it is a there is a real person that you imagine, um, there's you know millions and millions of other people that have read the book who imagine somebody else. So the one thing that we do know is whoever we cast, we're going to make a lot of people uh, unhappy simply because it's not going to be who they want. And even if we cast one of the favorites that is still going to make a lot of people unhappy because not everybody is everybody's favorites. Exactly. But my thing is, you know, the true fans, like myself, I mean, I've cried over the fact that Christian Bale will not be in the Red Room, but I support you <laughs> and, and EL, and I know that you guys will make a great movie. Um, and, you know, we all have our in our head who Christian is because when you read a book, that's what you do. But I think the true fans will just stand behind, you know, Team 50 and just enjoy the movie for what it is because you can't make everybody happy. I mean, there's too many people that want all these different Christians, and it's just never going to happen. So I think everyone needs well, to Well, ultimately, I think we'll make them happy with the movie, and they'll, yeah. they'll, mm-hmm. they'll lose the whatever idea that they had and then you know, kind of lose themselves into the movie and to who uh, ultimately cast and, and, and the film that we make. And as, as long as that happens, I think we've done our job, and the director's done her job, and the writer's done her job, um, then you know, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be an issue. And so... You know, while there's a lot of chatter about who it might be or who people want or this, that, and the other thing, at the end of the day, um, it's not going to matter until they sit in the movie theater and watch the finished product. How conscious are, is Team 50 about what's all going on and all the chatter that's that's on Twitter and all of the information that you guys are probably constantly being bombarded with? How, how do you even deal with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean... Uh, not to, I, I basically I have to ignore it. Otherwise, it would just be, uh, you know, like beating my head against the wall. Um, you know, particularly when it comes from the fans of of who their uh, um, favorites are. Obviously, we take it into consideration, but at a certain point, you know, a suggestion can only be made so many times before we got it. Um, but you know, we we keep a, a, an eye on the on the chatter and obviously pay attention to what the fans are thinking and saying. Um, but a lot of it and a lot of the, the frustration that some of them seem to be, uh, you know, giving as far as what's taking so long and, you know, this person needs to be cast or that's just, that's sort of out of our control. For a movie, this is actually moving very fast. Like, I'll give you an example. One of my films, uh, 21, that was like six to seven years in the making. And that was an adaptation of a New York Times bestselling book as well. Um, and that was actually, you know, pretty average. So the, speed that we're making this and already have a, a release date is is very fast. So people that are, you know, getting sort of agitated with us because they think that we're taking too long, the only thing I can tell them is we're moving as fast as we can and we're actually at a very accelerated pace for a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've, we've talked about I, that, Lori and I, a few times, that um, mm-hmm. it, it is very fast. And I think with, with the way social media is, um, everyone wants instant gratification. And, um, yeah. and so I think that because you guys are in this fishbowl, um, it's just, I think, hard to um, for the fans to realize that you guys are working and making the best movie possible. We're just, you know, as a fan, getting antsy and twitchy, but we, we understand. If you get into the uh, spirit of the film and instant gratification, they're probably bad in bed. It's good for them to wait a little bit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I can't imagine that you're getting the pressure from the Captain Phillips fans and the Gran Torino fans as you're getting from the Fifty Shades fans. No, it's not the same at all. <laughs> it's, uh, I've, I, I've never experienced anything like it. I mean, of even the other books that I've adapted, Social Network was a book, and like I said, uh, Point One was a book. Uh, Captain Phillips was even a book. Um, 
I've never really heard from anybody really uh, about when is the movie going to be done or when's it going to be out. I've heard, you know, can't wait for the movie or excited for the movie, uh, but nowhere near on the level that uh, <laughs> I do now, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not knocking it at all. Yeah. It's a great thing for the fans and for the book, um, and it's just pretty astounding for us. How important just in general Dana is is chemistry be, between lead characters because do, do you factor that in or all or or do you just find two good actors and then hope the chemistry comes together or is chemistry something no. that you're looking for before no that's that and that's part of the casting process too and that's what makes it so difficult as well um so whoever we ends up as our Christian has to have good chemistry with whoever ends up as our, as our Anna um and if there's not a good chemistry between the two that can destroy the movie. Um, that's on any movie. That's not just this movie, but it's extremely important for this film that there is that chemistry between the two of them. Um, so if you just took your two favorite people based on looks or what you know about them and said that that should be Christian and Anna, um, that's probably a disaster waiting to happen because until you get them in a room together and see how they interact and, and basically do what, what's called a chemistry test, um, you don't know. And, a lot of times it doesn't work out. You know, somebody doesn't vibe with, you know, it's just like real life. If they don't vibe with them, or particularly for this, where if it's going to be three films, they're going to have to be with them for a while. Um, and so if there's no chemistry there, that's a huge problem. Michelle, I will give you the last question for Dana so we can let him go. I know he's extremely busy. We certainly appreciate Dana taking the time to call in and talk to the fandom, and I'll also give you the last word as well. But, um, Michelle, do you have a, a final question for Dana? I could bring up the fact that I was—I keep begging for the the token Asian role in the movie, but I won't. Um, any <laughs> any um, future projects that you'd like to to tell us about, that, except for the you know the Fifty Shades movies? Anything else you're working on? Um, I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, we're in season two of House of Cards, uh, uh, filming that now. That's actually part of the reason I'm here in Baltimore, um, and. Uh, talked about Gran Turismo. We talked about Kevin Phillips that's coming out. Um, I'm doing uh, Evil Knievel with uh, Channing Tatum. Oh, but that's still We're still uh, <laughs> developing that um, and, you know, working on the script on that. Uh, and then, you know, just chasing projects as, uh, as I find ones that are interesting. Right now our focus mainly, though, is, is on, you know, the release of Captain Phillips, um, getting Fifty Shades going, um, and then that's, you know, going to take up quite a bit of time over you know, the next six to 12 months, uh, both you know, just uh, production and post and release. And then Gran Turismo, hopefully uh, have a script and have that going shortly after. And then the second uh, film and third film shortly after of uh, 50. Wow. Yeah, you're, you're a busy man. The, those um, films, uh, the, the, the second and third for, for 56, I said I wouldn't have a follow-up question, but that led me to follow-up questions. Are, are, are those, in, in, in your mind, are they going to be like a year apart or 18 months apart? Or, or how does that even work for the follow-up film? I, I have no idea. Um, and, you know, look, it's right now we're only focusing on the first one, and mm-hmm. we need to make sure that it's the best that it can be. Um, but obviously, you know, we keep in the back of our mind the idea of, uh, you know, a second and third. So I think a lot will be on the success of the first. Um, we'll determine, you know, where it goes from there. But my my goal right now is just to, to focus on making this one the best that, that it can be. And then if that is, then hopefully there is a, a second and third. 
So <laughs> start hearing about that now. That's uh, no idea. <laughs> no pressure. But, but, but basically, if, if if we want a second and third, we, we definitely need to get behind this project and support you guys at the fan level. I know a lot of fans are listening. It's going to be important for them to support this project, and then you're willing to go the distance with it. Yeah, it's not just me either. It's a, there's a, right. a lot of people involved in this. Um, so a lot of people put this on me and Mike and EO. It's uh, there. There's a lot of people in this. Sam, our director, and and Kelly, our writer, and then you know we have a lot of people at each studio. You know, it's Focus and Universal, and they're all very hands-on, which is, is a good thing. This is something that's clearly important to a lot of people. Clearly, know that the fans are extremely important to this as well. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's been fun, and uh, I hope I hope that we make, and I'm pretty confident we will make a a great movie that will lead to to others, and that uh, you guys will all be happy with. We will mm-hmm. be. We're, Absolutely, we're great fans of yours, Dana, and we appreciate you know you being so patient with us, especially on Twitter. I know you get bombarded with <laughs> three million tweets a day with this one and that one begging for Christian Grey to be you know their actor. So we appreciate you very much. It's a it's it's a high class problem and a good problem to have. <laughs> well, thank you, Dana. We really appreciate you being able to come on today and answer a few questions for us and and kind of get the focus back on the the important thing, which is making a, a great movie. And I I know that you're going to do that. I, I don't have any doubt in the world that that's going to happen. Great, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Right. Thanks, Dana. That was great. That was great for Dana to come on. We certainly appreciate it. He's a busy, busy man. I mean, Fifty Shades obviously isn't the only thing he has going on. I mean, I'm really looking forward to Evil Knievel now. I'm really excited about that. Well, hello, Channing Tatum. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Something for everybody. All right. Well, thanks, Dana, for coming on. Thanks, Michelle, for those questions on that. We're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to be back with the beautiful Bastard Girls. So I know that a lot of people are waiting on them as well. So... I played this song last night um, <laughs> when I was working out the show. I, uh, I I have this uh, game I play with myself sometimes. It's called Spin My Playlist when I get bored, and I just, like, spin my playlist, whatever it stops on, I listen to. And last night, I listened on this, which was Leather and Lace by Stevie Nicks and Don Henley. And we'll be right back. We're going to get to the Christina Lord on the song. We'll be right back.
Rock band Iron Butterfly, and you are listening to Seattle Wave Radio. <laughs> 